0: Do you like horror, sci-fi, superheroes, comics, and adventure? Sunsetcrypt.com has you covered. With reviews and articles. Two associated podcasts. Hot damn! Topics on a ton of bullshit and all geekery grounds with Crypt Keepers Curtis Sturrock, Steve Brown, and Jeff Smith. Sunsetcrypt.com. Only the reader knows what awaits them.
1: This could stir up. There's not much that he won't mock, but he'll talk to his friends about sex and reruns. Yeah, it's wrestling with myself. Some know him as Scotty O'Shea, and he's really into ass play. Steve Brown tags along, and Mallow wrote the song. It's wrestling with myself, wrestling with myself. Sometimes he. It by himself Discussing wrestling and movies Drugs hookers and boobies It's wrestling with myself whoa Wrestling with myself Whoa Wrestling with myself On a Friday night he's got his flashlight It's wrestling with myself Whoa wrestling with myself Whoa Whoa, 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 wrestling with myself whoa, 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 wrestling with myself Discussing wrestling in movies, drugs, hookers, and babies, Wrestling with myself
2: How are you, Jake O'Reilly?
0: I'm good, man. How are you doing?
2: I'm a lot better now. I'm happy to hear from you.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time, and for anyone who's listening, that's what he put his name in my phone as, Hacker <laughs> Mc and he's got a big dick.
2: Oh, that's correct. Which actually since you brought it up, it brings me into one of uh, something I wanted to talk about. And okay. um you're the first guy who I experienced it from in the wrestling locker room. This oh, is no. this is meant to be a good story. Let me just preface this, okay? Okay. Yeah. 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 It was back in the old um, LLWA gym on where was it on uh, Hempstead or the one with uh, uh, Christ? Not
0: I... Unit 13, but the other one.
2: No, it was Unit 13. Okay, not the okay. insane asylum.
0: Yes.
3: Yeah. So, no shit.
2: So uh, I was like 16 years old. Uh, you oh, always man, treated me is... great. You and Crazy okay. Steve treated me great. Let me put it that way. Thank you. Uh, I was backstage and somebody said, hey, Jake wants to talk to you. And we had our cars parked back there. And that's where we get yeah. changed in that. And yeah. Yeah. so yeah. I walked around the car to where I saw the open door was in the back seat. And I look in and you were butt naked, starfished on the back seat. And you were doing the <laughs> helicopter with your wiener. <laughs> And I have to admit, it really left something with me, because since then, that has always been my style of humor. And once you open Pandora's box that just showed me that this is allowed, or was allowed.
3: Yeah, was. Yeah.
2: I've always now been the guy with my nuts out backstage, trying to get people to look at it. Like, terrible things, but done in the process of comedy, you kind of get away with. And I believe that's what yeah. you did.
0: Well, you know, like you said, used to be able to get away with. Now, I'm, if I'm flashing my dick at a 16-year-old wrestler, oh, big-time problems. But, you know, obviously you took it for what it was, just just good comedy, just trying to get a laugh out of the boys and, and the girls at the time, because I didn't discriminate there either, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, good times. I, I got, uh, I got told I should probably keep it in my pants, so I've done that as of late, but... Back in the day, it was it was out as much as possible.
2: There is something funny to it, and I know this is ignorant to talk about. As a male, we don't get sent just ridiculous amounts of dick pics, but one of my favorite party tricks I like to do is I have four or five photos on my phone of my dick in funny, like, atmospheres. <laughs> I have one yes. with a paper cut on my thumb, and I go, like, look at this paper cut, and my dick is clearly <laughs> out. One where I'm holding a cigar. And, like, the game is just to get... People to look at it, or people that know what to expect, to get them to look at it again.
0: Of course, of course. well, I don't know if you guys, you, you, guys, or whoever your listeners are, probably not. But there used to be this wrestler. I'm telling his story, but it's funny. It's something I I grew up with in wrestling. I was 18 when I started, so not as young as you. But Bomber was his name. Uh, he wrestles out in BC now, but he have he's got a dick like a fucking sledgehammer, and it's. <laughs> It's impressive, and he he'd just walk up to people at a bar and go, "Hey, uh, you know, you got the, oh, here's my watch. Check out my new watch." And he'd have his dick wrapped around his wrist, <laughs> and he'd do this to pe- like girls, guys it didn't matter, right? And well, it helps that he's like giant caveman, so no one was gonna try and beat him up for it. But sure, things you things you can't really get away with anymore is, is the start of the theme of this podcast.
2: No, yeah, like I'll never. Not that I have any aspirations of being famous. But if I ever break out in any way, all you have to do is listen to 10 seconds of any podcast I've ever recorded, and I will be canceled immediately. And I've come to terms with that. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, I mean, if you know that going in, that's all that really matters. You just have to accept it. I try not to get on social media and be controversial, not because I care, because I'm not going to be famous either, let's be honest at this point, but I just don't want to hear the bullshit. Yeah. Like, I... The other day, I I defended The Undertaker. I don't know why I decided to do this. And I swear to God, man, it went on for three days on Twitter, people just shitting on me. I didn't read any of it, but it was like, this is unbelievable. Imagine if I was famous and I did something wrong, how bad it would get.
2: Are you referencing him on Rogan talking about how the locker room's different?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and there was one wrestler in particular that was really like, you know, I'm old school, like kind of like The Undertaker, the way I look at stuff. Yeah. And, and, and he was absolutely not like that, so I said, listen, if you don't, you know, respect the Undertaker for what he's done and, and listen to his opinion, you should burn your fucking boots. Sure. And, I mean, maybe that's a little extreme. Obviously, times have changed, and I haven't really changed with it, but, me- like, the flack I got, even Dave Meltzer was shitting on me. It was pretty funny. Jesus! Yeah. Yeah, so.
2: So, like... Just, just, I brought this up last time we I was doing a podcast brought it up because like it was when it was catching a lot of heat and I listened to it and I'm just like what's the big deal he's just saying times were different essentially and he preferred that's, those yeah. times
0: yeah no exactly and that's all that's all he was saying he liked it better that way yeah which is fine he's entitled to I liked it better that way too I, but time times have changed I'm not saying it's bad now it's just not what I would prefer if I had my choice
2: and all I kind of took it as was back then, like, he said men are men. I took it as like, he's saying, like, men were tough guys. We could, like, take care of ourselves. We look like wrestlers, which, yet again, he's completely correct, I think.
0: Well, that's, yeah, he's not telling any lies there. And I do jujitsu, and a lot of guys say, oh, yeah, man, you got to be tough to be a pro wrestler. I said, well, not anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, again, it's just the evolution of the business. It's not a. A negative. Well, some people would say it's a negative thing, but, I mean, obviously the performance side of it has been embraced, and, and we don't need to have to win bar fights anymore to get over with the boys. That's it. But it's just, just how it is. But, like, no, not really. You don't really have to be a tough guy to be a wrestler. Eh?
2: Um, I'd like to share another story with you that has sure. left a huge impact on me that I've referenced many times. Okay. Uh, it was... If I could, like, boil down three of the most important things that happened in my, like, pro wrestling life that I've taken further and outside of wrestling just as a life lesson, this would be one. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm curious if you even remember it, but it was a twofer in one day from Jake O'Reilly.
0: Oh, no, that's, I, I'm always nervous when you guys bring this shit <laughs> up, because I, for, I forget pretty much everything. Crazy Steve's, like, still one of my best friends to this day, and... He's got a memory like a steel trap. He can't remember where he is and what town cuz he's blind as fuck, but he remembers little things. He'll come up with stories like, go,
2: "Oh god, I did that. What the fuck was I thinking?" Anyway, go ahead. Boy. No, I'm only like I'm only telling positive Jake O'Reilly stories, and I mean that. I'm the, this this isn't bad.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Uh, Frank Greco was running a show at the CBC building. Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, that was. I totally remember that show, yeah.
2: I can't remember. Was it CWR?
0: Yeah, I think I wrestled Otis Idol, and it was a lot of fun, Th- that, I think.
2: That whole show was like, I remember we were told, like, we're going to get a, a TV deal, we'll get used to this, oh, guys, yeah. and I was buying into every moment of it, too.
0: How, how many times have we heard that over the years? Exactly. Year?
2: <laughs> but show's over. I was booked yeah. this show. I didn't show up. get booked like I this was a a booking that I had and I got stiffed on pay right love Frank love Frank Greco he stiffed me on pay and uh, you either asked me if I was taken care of or it came up and I said like no he's got no money and you said Uh you have to go up to him and take anything he has I don't care what it is you have to take a stand of yeah you I'm owed something so I remember like I still hate confrontation. I Even yep. to this day, if I get stiffed on pay, I, I'm not great with it. I get it handled, but not like I should. Sure. And I went up right. to him with like shaky knees. And I was just like, hey, Frank, uh, I think I said the boys won't let me leave until I get paid something. Yep. And he just emptied his pockets and I got paid in like a toonie, a loonie, some nickels, some pennies. But it was just something. And it was like a very like eye-opening
0: gas in the tank anyway right
2: exactly and it was like very eye-opening for me because i was like wait a minute i have the power here like oh yeah yeah and that that that's what switched with me that day i was just what like okay i it was just it tried it was one of the first times i was like oh yeah i'm a professional wrestler even if you don't think i am you're the idiot that booked me so it's time to start treating me that way
0: yeah, exactly. And, you know, man, it, um, not to cut you off, but it goes back to that question. I'm sure you get a million times, too. When are you going to turn pro? Oh, yeah. It, pro, the definition, I'm not – I don't know if this is actually the definition, but I, the way I take it is that means you get paid for that job. Sure. No matter what that job is. Yep. So, anyway, continue.
2: And then later that day – well, would, would have been an hour later. Uh, okay. All the boys decided we were going to go to Eastside Mario's. I oh, go. At least I
0: remember this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I got like no money at the time. Yeah. And then, uh, I uh, as we're walking in, I think you could tell I was like shaky because I wanted to be with yeah. the group, but I had no money. And you're like, "Don't worry, I got you covered." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable." Right. We're sitting on opposite ends of the table. I'm like, okay. I'm like where the mom would sit on one side. You're like where the father would <laughs> sit. We're so far away. I remember this. Yeah. So, something happens with your meal. And you're very polite, but the waitress is a bitch. Okay. And you lose it on them, and then you get the manager over here, and he's rude to you. And you fucking lose it on both of them. And, like, I'm pretty sure we're done eating at this point. Probably, yeah. You're losing it on them, warranted, I will say, because they were rude. And Uh, then you're like, I'm not paying for this fucking meal, and my little brother at the end of the table, he's not paying for his fucking meal. And I was just like... This is how an adult man takes care of things. Like, this was so not me. And you just (laughs) took care of shit.
0: Well, I I don't know if it's how an adult adult man takes care of it. It's how a 25-year-old maniac (laughs) takes care of things. I was a little unhinged. I remember the the girl I was dating at the time was with us, and I don't think she was too pleased with how I acted. It might have been a little embarrassing. Um, I don't think we paid for the food, though. No, we didn't. I remember that, yeah, I, I can remember distinct, and you were just kind of sitting there like, what the fuck is happening?
2: Oh my god. <laughs> like, I, like, I hate confrontation. The only time I like confrontation is if I feel disrespected. And I have this weird yep. line that, once I'm disrespected, it's like, the blinders are off and I can go too far. But up until then, I'm almost a pushover. Right, and right. It was just that day, those two things I saw... Left such an unbelievable like etch in me. Not only like you taking care of business, but you looking after young guys.
0: I was just that—that's how I was brought up by like, guys like Tornado and Tyson and and Showtime Eric Young, and they always looked after me and and not just like restaurant situations or whatever, but like training before the shows and like offering me ideas of what to do in the ring and just in general life advice like Tornado man he's one of my mentors to this day mm-hmm. as far as like and our shoot jobs were both in sales and I took that job probably a year and a half ago and he was the guy that encouraged me he goes no it, bro he goes everything is wrestling everything is a work sales is a work <laughs> sales is just wrestling you're gonna do great at it so I did and I jumped in And but anyway yeah you, I mean that's what you gotta do you gotta take care of Take care of the younger guys coming up. And I, I. now, to your point, though, I was guilty of kind of shitting on some of the younger guys when I started, too. Because I was still a young guy at the time. I yes. acted like a veteran. I thought I was a veteran, but I didn't know fucking anything about life or wrestling or anything. Yep. So I. that's why I'm always worried about talking to you guys that are, that are a little bit younger than me. Because like, I have heard, heard stories from guys like Josh and, and Ethan Page. Like, no, you were a dick this time. And this is why, and, and I've apologized since. But I mean, so I'm glad it's I'm glad you're seeing things from a positive light. It's a nice, refreshing change.
2: But even back then, like me and Alex have nothing bad to say about you and Crazy Steve. Like you guys, I feel like since day one, you took I don't want to say a liking to us, but like uh like a patience to us. If that makes better sense.
0: Oh, definitely a liking. Uh, we we always got along great with you guys from day one. We always clicked. Crazy Steve still, to this day, uh, one of his favorite stories is we are at Unit 13 and we were having a, a in-ring meeting. and I don't know who, Ricky Stardust was running the show, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. And he's trying to get all the boys in the ring to get, you know, the show set up. And we couldn't find, uh, what's her name now, Sabrina Kyle. Yep right and I think at the time her name was Sapphire so we're like where the where the fuck Sapphire we can't find it and you just yell out of the back Sapphire's taking a deuce <laughs> and, and it's still like I'll still laugh about that it's just I don't know just the timing of everything it just went silent and you just informed the whole locker room that she's taking a big shit and she'll be out in a minute <laughs> like fucking comedic timing it was unreal but no nah, we always loved working you guys man and, and I'd still love to do it today
2: yeah absolutely um I hate to be the typical podcaster, but I do have an interest in it. Sure. Like, did you start training with Eric Young? Yes. Can you take me through that whole first day training, like getting the balls to finally sign up? I'm so interested in that.
0: I, so me and my buddy, James, uh, God rest his soul. One year ago, he died, which we don't need to get into, but him, him and I were, we did the backyard wrestling thing together and we were like brothers and, we would go down to the CNE and watch apocalypse wrestling. Yeah. So like Ron Hutchinson and all those guys and Jaguar VJ Singh and he God rest his soul too. Him and I uh him and I hooked up in jujitsu years later, but Oh wow. We we always wanted to be wrestlers and so we wrote the letter to, to Rod Boudreaux and Ron Hutchinson and they're like, Yeah, come to our shows, buy our merch, you know? Yeah give us two grand and my mom was like, That's dumb, don't do that and I was probably like 16 15 like your age when you started yep so uh we ended up going to a show in Sharon, ontario to watch hacksaw jim duggan and tornado was on the show and i'm talking to him after and i didn't know him i said i want to be a wrestler and he goes you gotta email this guy he's opening a school in cambridge eric young's his name and i knew who he was because i followed the indies a bit as much as you could without an internet yeah and uh Email this guy. So I, all right, awesome, thanks so much. And, and uh, so I did. And it was about a year later. So I was 18 when I started training. And me and my buddy Darren went down and he drove. He didn't train, I trained. And it was just like the first thing Jer, uh, Eric Young, said to me was, um, I, I could teach you anything, I could do anything. I." done everything like just his confidence was like he could have asked for all the money i had in mm-hmm. the world and and i would have given it to him yeah and now thank thank god he turned out to be a straight up guy where a lot of times it's not like that but i i saw a wrestling ring in this dank pit of a, a building and it was like
2: was this the upstairs a, building in cambridge
0: no so that's Hart brothers okay um that's where he started and realized it was a work when he ended up training the guys after like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he opened his own school kind of, I would say just east of there, uh, in the back of a warehouse. I okay. don't know, He probably paid, paid nothing for rent, but it was a dump, but it was our dump. And it was just, and it, like I said, heaven, heaven at first glance. Yeah. And Steve, Steve joined me probably a couple weeks later. I said, I got this, uh, this buddy who wants to sign up, because we didn't have any students, right? And we, you know, he needed some money. And I said, uh, one thing about him, though, he goes, well, what? He goes, well, he's blind. <laughs> and he goes, do you say blind? I go, well, he can kind of see. No, I'm not training a blind guy. And I said, come on, let, give him a chance. Come on, give him a chance. And he did, and, you know, the rest is history.
2: I didn't know you guys, I, I figured you guys met through wrestling. I didn't know you guys were friends before wrestling. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, we did actually. I worked at Sobeys as a butcher. Nice. And, and uh, we'd have you know wrestling matches in the cooler on Sundays and bet on them. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Uh, but his Steve's sister worked there too, and she goes, "Yeah, you really like wrestling." My brother really likes wrestling. I said, "Yeah." And we did backyard tape trading. And uh, can can he try out for your backyard wrestling? I said, "Sure." So we made we made him try out, <laughs> whatever, the, whatever that means. Him and his other, we had uh, Crazy Steve, Fat Steve, and he was also named P. Steve because he peed on a uh, the McDonald's counter while the while he was taking an order. Holy like Jack! Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You know, Jackass was popular at the time, so he's he's ordering his food, taking a leak on the floor at the same time. <laughs> so that was Steve's buddy that tried out for our backyard fit. Oh, that's how I that's how I knew Crazy Steve.
2: Now, what was yeah,
0: your friends wh- since we were sixteen, probably?
2: What was your backyard name?
0: I was uh, Superman Billy Manson. That's all right. I was uh, the Suicide Rider, and I rode my dirt bike to the ring. That's cool. And uh, what else did we have? I think those are pretty much the the main ones. We all had like we wear masks and schlep because there was only like six of us.
2: Yes, yeah, so he had to tag so it and we out.
0: Had to, exactly, we had to make the best of the. The situation, but yeah, that's uh, that was uh, how it all started, I guess.
2: Um, just while I'm thinking about it, how did you come up with the name Jake O'Reilly?
0: Um, okay, so, um, I didn't have a name, I came up with a bunch of fucking stupid names. Sure, like one, one I'm still ribbed about is Wade the Predator Jackman. Which, obviously, they've all changed to The Sexual Predator.
3: Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah. It's right obviously. there.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of other dumb ones, too. And uh, I guess, I don't know if Jer was watching, or uh, Eric Young was watching old Rock'em Sock'ems or something. He's like, Terry O'Reilly. You gotta be ter- like Terry O'Reilly from the Boston Bruins. Because you're, you're fucking, like, you're like him. You like Terry O'Reilly would go into the crowd and fight fans with his skates on and shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then Jake is actually the name of the... My dead dog. I had a dog when I was a kid named Jake.
2: Classic so name for a dog too. I love Jake, that.
0: Jake O'Reilly, that's where it all came from. I said, On the way to seductions in Oshawa to get my first pair of tights, I said, Jer, I don't wanna be I don't wanna be an Irish character though. Like I know I'm Irish and all that, but I don't wanna be that. He goes, No, 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 you don't have to be that. Just Jake O'Reilly's just a cool sounding name. Anyway, here I drew these up for you and he drew me like a pair of gimmicks that had shamrocks on them with barbed wire. I go, what? Oh, so that's how that started.
2: <laughs> I only ask because when Ricky Stardust finally said, hey, your backyard name isn't cutting anymore, which was Blaze. Of course. And I was like, okay, what should I do? He's like, he was just help me out. And I was an undersized wrestler. He's like, it would be neat if we could make your initials something like a word or something. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. thinking like, all right, what about like, international distress call SOS right right And I was like okay this is brilliant and then I was like fuck well I'm Irish maybe we can do something O'Shea and then I just stayed on Scotty O'Shea boom perfect and I played like an Irish gimmick before I found the hacker gimmick for a bit did you I did not know that it was very short-lived and uh luckily it was even more short-lived than it could have been because uh it was honestly it was like five maybe six years ago and, right. uh, yet again, I'm sure your parents are the same, like wrestling isn't a big deal to them with you just cause you've been doing it so long. It's just kind of like going to the office type deal. Yeah. They'll,
0: they'll come to a show if it's like in our hometown, but other than that, they don't really ask or care about it.
2: Yeah. It's just been the norm so long. Yeah. So, uh, we were eating dinner one night and my mom just goes like, so how'd you settle on the name Scotty O'Shea? And I was just, I told her the whole spiel and I was like, us being Irish. She's like, we're not Irish. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, we're totally Scottish. And I was like, why have we got Blarney Stones and shit all around? And she's like, oh, that's my friend. She brings it over because she, like, forces her Irish heritage on us as, like, a gag. But it, it was around so much, I just assumed we were, like, mega Irish.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> my, my sister got one of those gimmick ancestry things, so now the government knows what her DNA is. But... Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it said we're like, I don't know, 70% Irish or something. So it was, it was fairly accurate. But that's, that's good. hilarious that you had – you're a Scottish guy. Cool. Yeah. Same thing basically, just less green.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But another thing I want to talk about, and I just want to get it off before I forget. Because um, sure. I think we just hit the 10-year anniversary or some anniversary about you being in Japan when that tsunami happened.
0: Yeah, it'll be 10 years in March.
2: 10 years in March. Like, that is insane. I remember following it. Uh, Was that for All Japan? All
0: Japan, yeah, yeah.
2: How'd you get that uh, deal?
0: So, my goal from day one was to wrestle in Japan. I never, I obviously liked WWE growing up. Like, Bret Hart was my guy. But I also once, as soon as I saw like Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask and those guys, and I realized Japanese wrestling was a thing because I always did amateur wrestling and I always loved mixed martial arts and stuff like that. I thought this is where I need to be. First of all, I'm only five ten, and at the time probably two hundred pounds. So I'm like, this is perfect. This is where I this is where I can fit in and, and thrive yep. essentially. So again. Day one, walking into wrestling school, I had two goals. first one was to wrestle in front of people, any people, because we did backyard wrestling in front of no people. And the second goal, the major goal, was to wrestle in Japan. So Scott Damore had kind of like a student exchange program going on, and he'd sent, like, Phil Atlas over and Brad Martin, and we got back, like, Kushida, who's a huge star now, Um, and Abu Soya, there was another guy named Bruna Oh, by the way, I'm watching, as we're talking, I'm watching that muda Goshiyozaki match that you were putting over online the other day.
2: Oh, yeah, I watched it the other day. I loved it. Muda's slow, I, but if I could be half the worker as, at, as he is at 58...
0: he's He gets better with 80... He's so broken. He was my boss there, so Muda... Like, I don't know if he owned all Japan or he just worked for them, but he, he was the boss, and he hobbled around like a fucking senior citizen the whole time until he got in the ring. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Anyway, anyway, so... Scott, I, I harassed Scott. I just started harassing him nonstop. I worked for him in Border City. Like, mm-hmm. Scott, I want to go to Japan. And I would always do the suspender gimmick, and he'd put me in the opening match, and I'd lose to whoever. And he, <laughs> was, he goes, you're the best opening match guy I've ever had, which is honestly a huge compliment. Yes, Scott. it is. It's it's not a, a slight, but I wanted more. I wanted to be the, the shoot wrestler, the, you know, whatever. So, Scott, I want to go. Scott, I want to go. No, 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 you can't go. And then I'd have Johnny Divine bug him. Then I'd have Showtime bug him. Finally, he relentless, He's like, all right, you can come train at my school for two weeks. I'll see if you can make the cut. Then we'll talk about it. Fair enough. But they need a heavyweight guy, too. So you got to find one of them. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Luckily for me, Sean Spears is another guy I trained with in cambridge i think he just well he'd been released from the fed the first time and i think he just got back from puerto rico so he wasn't doing anything so i said spears you got to come to this thing with me in windsor and i think he lived in florida or somewhere at the time and and we're gonna go to all japan he's like <laughs> okay so he does we lived at saint Clair college we trained in scott's gym they try to kill us every day Tyson was training us, basically did a billion push-ups, <laughs> uh, probably the best shape I've ever been in my life, and then we uh, finally got, t- Scott yeah, right, you're going, I remember I was on my mom's back porch having a beer, I got the call from Scott, buy your plane tickets, they'll reimburse you, or whatever, he
3: oh, awesome.
0: Well, uh, okay, <laughs> Wait, dream come true, right? So, yeah, flash forward to that. We're there six weeks, I think. We had just finished the first tour out onto the second one. I was going to wrestle Kaz Hayashi.
2: Oh, one of my favorites of all time.
0: Yeah. He was our trainer over there. Oh, my God. Muda just got dropped on his head.
2: Oh, was that the brain buster off the top or whatever?
0: Jesus, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Anyway, Kaz was our trainer over there. And, like, an amazing guy. Super nice guy. Again, going back to taking care of the young boys like i'd been wrestling 10 years at that point or or at least but he was was actually so he'd buy us dinner on the road and buy us lunch and buy we didn't pay for anything because he's the man
2: that's so sweet
0: i was slated to wrestle him the next day so we're on our way to you got time? this is a kind of a long story but I'll, i'll it's worth i think It's great on a first date, by the
2: way. Please please go into as much detail and no time limits. The time limit is how long you want to talk.
0: Perfect. So, Kenzo Suzuki. Remember him from the WWE? Yep. So, Kenzo is the first guy I ever wrestled there. Again, super nice guy. He was, you know, a super veteran guy, though. So, in Japan, if you're 10 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're fired. Mm -hmm. So... We're all waiting around for Kenzo. He's not there. He's gotta get on the we'll all take a bus there. That's how it works. So we're waiting for Kenzo to show up. He doesn't show up. The fucking guy's half an hour late. And because he's a veteran guy and like been to the WWF and all that, they laugh it off, no big deal. Well if it were Spears and I slept in, they would have just sent us home. Yep. Right. So we're on our way to Sendai. Sorry, I gotta get a drink here. Hmm. On our way to Sendai for the show, and a couple weeks before, there was a little earthquake. And Spears and I kind of freaked out, right? We'd never been involved in something like that before. Of course, and all yeah. the, Japan, the Japanese guys start laughing at us. Oh, stupid. Right, guys? Come on. It's no big deal. Relax. Have a drink. <clears throat> so we're driving to Sendai on the bus. And the earth starts moving. Oof. Well, Spears, Spears and I, I pull out my camera. I'm filming it laughing it off, no big deal, right guys? We look around, and even Manero Suzuki, who's on the bus with us, is terrified. Ugh. And I'm like, uh-oh, like he's the toughest man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> he, he's scared to death. And we're like, I look at Spears like, oh, this isn't good. This, uh, they're not laughing like last time. Like, what the fuck's going on here? And it, it felt like it went on for like a minute and a half, two minutes. oh <laughs> And I have it all on video. I'll post it one day. But anyway, it's uh, we're there, and then we, so we pull off to the side of the road on an off ramp, and they put on the on the tape on the TV on the bus, and it's got a red zone where a tsunami is impending, right? And it's in all in Japanese. So I said to Suzuki-san, "Where are we on this map?" And he points. He goes. Dead zone. And I go, oh, fuck. Like,
2: That's we're terrifying.
0: Right, we're right where I'm like, so we get out of the bus and, and, and Kenzo's having a smoke. And I'm thinking I should probably start smoking because <laughs> this could be it. Like, and I'm talking to him and he's like, I don't know what's going to happen.
2: There's like, <laughs> no comfort.
0: Is, no, this is fucked because first of all. They put the young boys on the Japanese bus, so we're not even with the American guys. The only other American guy on the bus is Teo Kia, and the rest of the guys don't even speak English, hardly. Like, Suzuki does a little bit, Kenzo does a little bit, but nothing nothing like, like me and I. You and I are talking right now. Yeah. So, again, all this happens. Long story short, we don't die. We're on the bus for 36 hours. I lived on protein shakes and Snickers bars and beer. Because that's all we could buy at a convenience store for cash. (laughs) The same... Can I tell a shit story? Please. This is great. So, we finally get moving on this bus. And we're driving. And I got a shit. There's no working plumbing anywhere. Because the whole (laughs) world is destroyed.
2: Wait, so has the tsunami slowly crept into land at this point?
0: So, the tsunami's already hit. Okay. And we were lucky it didn't hit... Uh, but I'll get to that. That's, that's the payoff. Okay, the okay. Thing. So the tsunami's hit. We're watching all this on the news on the bus. Like, it's destroying cities. It's killing, you know, tens of thousands of people. And I still don't know if we're about to die or not. And anyway, that all, that's all done. Now we're stuck because the roads don't work anymore. So, again, we don't know what's going on. We finally get moving. I guess our bus driver has figured out a way to get back from where we were parked. Through back roads, through farm roads, through this and that. I got a shit. <laughs> we, we pull over at a convenience store. I run in. There's a sign in Japanese on the bathroom door, which I'm assuming says, this plumbing doesn't work, don't go in here. <laughs> but the people who own the place are really distracted, so I snuck in. I took the biggest shit of my life. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I wipe my ass. I go to flush it. Show them off no plumbing. Nothing's working. Oh, my- so I go... I gotta get out of here. Yep. So I open the door, I walk out, they see me, they start yelling at me. I don't know what they're saying, but they're not happy. So I run out the door, <laughs> the bus starts moving, I'm running down the street after the bus, the boys are <laughs> laughing their ass off, the guy's chasing me. they got on and we took off.
2: <laughs> and yeah. somewhere in that tsunami, a Jake O'Reilly turd was floating for the rest of the year.
0: Forever and ever. It's probably in Vancouver by now. So, the payoff to this story is we get back to Tokyo or wherever we're living, not Tokyo, but Yokohama, after uh, 36 hours on this bus. Muda, who I'm just still watching in this match, and his wife have made us Japanese curry for dinner. They've got us beers, they've got us snacks, food. Like, the great Muda, who's Hulk Hogan of Japan, has cooked us dinner. Amazing. It, amazing. Sat there, talked to us, like, because he wasn't on that particular leg tour, like that's the type of guy mood is he's top-notch human being as far as i'm concerned so the whole the whole point of the story is kenzo being late probably saved our life because the building we were gonna wrestle in they ended up using to store dead bodies holy most of that town was destroyed and we were half an hour away from the town so if kenzo was on time I might not be talking to you right now.
2: Jesus. That stuff is... That stuff trips me out. I'm not religious or anything. I'm a believer in, like... Like, just... (laughs) Shit just happens. You know what I mean? But when I hear things like that, I'm always like, Is there a master plan? Because that seems to fit the piece of the puzzle a little too well.
0: I may be dramatic. I don't know if we would have been hit by the tsunami. But I know where we were going was hit by the tsunami. Absolutely. And we didn't get there because he wasn't on time, which never happens in Japan. So, I mean, again, I'm not a a religious guy either, but the higher power was looking after us that day, whatever higher power that is.
2: And then how did you get home? Like, did shit just kind of tone down? You got your flights back?
0: Well, not exactly. So we didn't know what was happening. And at the time, Spears and I, our job was wrestling. Yep. So I'm thinking, how am I going to pay the bills back home? What am I going to do for food here? Like they took care of us and fed us, but like still, we we're getting paid by the match. Yep. So, how are we going to live if there's no wrestling? Like we don't know what's going on in this in this world. All the next, the rest part of the tour was canceled, so I never got to wrestle Kaz. And uh, so I'm a little depressed, but we're still we're going to hang in there. We're going to, you know, no big deal. And I'm I'm going to go walk to the Seven Eleven because they have these this delicious three dollar wine. <laughs> and I, I was going to get loaded because, first of all, there's nothing else to do, and the Seven is a five minute walk, so whatever. and They had these really good triangle sandwiches, but I go to go out the front door of the dojo where we're living, and they all start yelling at me. No, 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 broken English, right? And I go, "What the hell? I just want to go get some wine. What's the big deal?" They go, "No, no, rain, rain, bad." I go, "I don't care if I get wet. I gotta go. I want to drink." I'm- <laughs> doesn't matter and they go no 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 uh uh nuclear rain oh and i go nuclear rain they go uh fukushima uh bad rain bad rain jesus what they're trying to tell me is nuclear fallout don't go outside because you might get uh nuclear rain on you like radioactive
2: holy shit i didn't know that i remember Uh, that happening the nuclear reactor whatever being destroyed but man
0: we were like not very far from that place either Jesus. So that's when I said, hey, Spurs, you want to go home? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. So we called Air Canada, and they got us out of there. But uh, again, the Japanese, though, best, the most organized airport I've ever seen in the middle of a national crisis. Like, Pearson is worse than that on a good day. They had <laughs> nice lines. Every, everyone was cool. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my Japan story in a nutshell.
2: I remember uh, reading, it was probably a Facebook status at the time, but the girl you were with at the time, uh, she was kind of, I can't remember how it was if she was talking to you and she was kind of giving updates to everybody else, because, like, this was big news. We knew you guys were over there and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember, I can't exactly remember, like, the setup for it all, but it was something like she was talking to your grandfather at the time and your grandfather just kind of said like it's time for him to come home like that like, well no
4: what what
0: happened was i don't know if you guys know this you, well, you probably do but i don't know if your listeners do but there's a that fan super fan over there named massa
2: yeah absolutely
0: so like he's friends with chris jericho mcfoley and all those guys well he's like legit like Met us at and Hall first day, took pictures with us, and, like, he knew everything about us, where we wrestled on indies in Canada. Like, shit, I don't, I don't know how he knew that, because, again, the internet, it was 2011, there was the internet, but, like, not like today. Yeah,
2: it gets better and better by the day, so.
0: She was, she was communicating with Massa. Oh, wow. Getting updates, and he was talking to her, and, and they were communicating, because we had no service. So everyone here thought I might be dead. Like yeah. they didn't know. They couldn't get a hold of me for again. Like about, I wouldn't say thirty six hours, but probably at least twenty four. Damn. And then there, there was another worker on the tour named Kai. Uh, Kai and Massa were talking when cell service came back on, and I said, "Kai, please tell Massa to tell my girlfriend at the time we're okay, so she can let my family know." Yeah. Yeah, and my mom was my mom was the one that said, "Please come home."
2: Oh yeah, like I couldn't imagine cuz I have a very unemotional family, not that they're bad at all, we're just not we don't show yeah. affection at all. We everything's a joke. Right. So when I remember when I read that, I remember just kind of like making it how it would be in my family and for my family to actually show real concern like that, it just hit me. It was like, "Oh yeah, this is like real deal yeah. stuff."
0: Yeah, it it took me a long time to uh come to grips with how big it actually was yeah and like I, I'm not gonna well everyone talks about everything nowadays I might as well get it out. I've gone to therapy for it because it was like a near death experience that fucked me up
2: oh absolutely
0: and I've, I'm better now but it, I had some emotional damage from it and I didn't realize it at the time like it, it was close to death and it's it's crazy how how it all worked out and I'm okay thank god but a lot of people weren't
2: yeah it's Like, it was worldwide news. It was huge. It wasn't just, like, we got a snowstorm this weekend, like, outside of a 100-kilometer radius, nobody fucking knows. No, like, everybody knew, everybody was following. This was a huge deal, and you just happened to be there at this one specific moment in time.
0: Yeah. I worked my whole adult life to get to there, and then (laughs) six weeks in, the whole world... Of Japan explodes <laughs> under my feet. Like, that's cool, I guess.
2: It almost makes it a cooler story, though. Coming out the other end.
0: Well, I say it as a joke, but I I literally, like, my girlfriend and I, now, uh, we're, we met on Tinder, of all places, and we went on our first date, and the conversation was kind of like, Bleh. and then, <laughs> like, it, it was good, but then it died, and then... She's like, oh, I hear you're a wrestler. Any cool stories? I was like, well. (laughs) And then we're still together four and a half years later. So it all worked out. Yeah,
2: that's wicked.
0: The only guy that uh, wasn't concerned at all for my safety was Anthony Darko, my tag partner. (laughs) And he'll tell you straight up, he goes... Oh, no, I saw it on the news. I knew you were fine. I would have felt it if you were dead. I go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, we're a tag team, but like we're not that close. He goes, no, no, I knew you were fine.
2: <laughs> That's a real best friend, though. Absolutely. I That's understand that fully.
0: Do you know you actually were in the very first ever Piss Peters match?
2: Were we? Ooh, I
0: was? Yeah, you and in uh, York. We really? were wrestling at the Insane Asylum. Yep. And I don't remember who was putting on the show, but it wasn't Donnie and those guys.
2: Was this when we came out with, like, light tubes?
0: Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think so. But it was, like, was it GCW or... It was... I don't...
2: Yeah, it was something. Yeah, it wasn't LLW or anything, but it was, like, an offshoot.
0: Point of the story is there were literally no fans. Yeah. Like, none. Zero fans. The, The lowest attendance I've ever wrestled in front of was maybe two or three students and, like... Logan Savage was in the crowd. Yep. But, like, so we obviously just fucked around, and, and I don't know how we came up. What's your guys' name? I don't know. We're going to beat the piss out of them. We'll be the piss beaters. <laughs> and then I think we had a thumb war. Yep. You and I made out at one point. Uh, you and York made out for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it got, it got a little gay, but, you know, that's cool.
2: I think that was the first match I was ever, because, like, back then you want every match to be a WrestleMania match. And I still look at it like that, but...
0: Yeah.
2: It's hard for me, like, it was hard for me back then to give up and, like, how do I put this? To, like, have fun during a match, if that made sense. Let things slide. Because I was like, I never know when my next match is going to be. And that was the...
3: Totally understand.
2: That was, like, the first match, and I think it was because you were, like, the more experienced guy, and you were the one pushing, like, let's have fun, let's be silly, nobody's gonna see this. So it really let me, like, loosen up, and we did so much dumb sh- shit. Like, me and Alex pose. came out with light tubes that we found in the back, and then as yeah. we did our pose, we, like, dropped them accidentally, and...
0: So me and, me and Darko, like, back then, legit worked together, we did tile, like, ceramic tile. I think we had come straight from work to go to this show, like, all pumped. And, like, we're going to have a great tag team match. It's going to be awesome. Working the gym rats. It's going to be fun. And then no one was there. So we just wore our work pants. Like, we had motor on our jeans. And, like, <laughs> I was in shape for some reason, so I just didn't wear a shirt. Like, it, it was just nonsense. Like, I remember having the thumb war. We did. Uh, yeah, we oh, – what else? Yeah, the light tubes, the kissing, a lot of kissing. I feel it's like sure, there was an kissing.
2: arcade –
0: Yes, yes, we played Street Fighter or something during the match. And, like, the four, four people that were just wrestling students were, like, laughing their ass off, which to me is as good as someone cheering.
2: Well, that kind of took me a long time, too, because I always wanted to have the best wrestling match, and I still feel like that. But also, with experience comes, like, the idea of, like, if this show's had a lot of good wrestling matches, maybe we should just offer something different, and it can still be good.
0: That's that's the way I look at wrestling now, and I think when everyone starts, it, they all want to have the best match, mm-hmm. and now I'm, i I kind of, like, I help uh, book matches for Rock Solid Wrestling, so now I have to put the show together, and I, and this is just a personal preference, not a knock against anything that happens now, but I feel like almost every show now has, every match wants to be the main event, where I like the show to run, like, a roller coaster. So you got your comedy, you got your hard-hitting match, you got your match that goes to the floor, you got your main event match, and, and that's how I look at things. Yep. Like you said, to your point, though, when I started, I wanted to be the fucking best match on the show, every show, too. Absolutely. I don't think I ever achieved that once, but I <laughs> want it to be.
2: Well, that, like, I am... My philosophy of wrestling changes by the minute. Because right. I believe... A good independent wrestling show should be like the circus. And exactly like you said, there's the women, there's the jokers, there's the heavy hitters, like something for everyone. So, because not yeah, everyone's. A, yeah. Exactly. Not, but I'm such a diehard wrestling fan. Like, I can watch both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, which is heavy wrestling, four hours yeah. a night and not get burnt out. So then I go back and go, like, Well, no, this is how I think wrestling should be. Wrestling's whatever you kind of want to make it to be. As long as it's entertaining the crowd, I think you're achieving that.
0: As long as the crowd is into it. And that's where the crowd was bad tonight. Well, no, you were bad tonight. And obviously, there there are crowds that are a lot harder than others. Oh, yeah. No one's going to deny that. But, like, the whole point of wrestling, and this is why I think Hulk Hogan's the greatest wrestler ever. Like, obviously, Dynamite Kid can wrestle you know circles around him but he made the most money he drew in the most fans and he he captured the most emotion and to me wrestling should be about emotional content Mm -hmm. and if you're not if you're not getting the emotional content to the crowd and getting their emotions back to you it's it's almost a failure in my eyes yeah which is why i i have a lot of trouble watching modern wrestling and not because they're not really good but because it's all it's all a big program now and you know what i mean
2: oh i like i'm happy you kind of went into this because i wanted to pick your brain about it i love there's basically no wrestling out there that i don't like but mm-hmm. i can poke holes in everything like a uh, most people can right sure yeah but i do find like the style that's in vogue now was the style that influenced me the most. Like I remember doing GCW shows when I first started and those shows were more structured to like, it climaxes at the main event. Right. And there's zero wrong with that. At the time I was against it, but now looking back, I, 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 fully understand. But now every show, like everybody's a good worker Everybody follows yep. the same formula. Everybody does the same shit where it's just yep. so monotonous now. Like you only have to yep. watch one wrestling match to know the first false false finish isn't going to be the finish.
0: Exactly. And that's, uh, that's why I have a lot of problem watching today's wrestling. And I think that it could go back to the way it was and it wouldn't be an issue, but people are fighting against that and saying, no, no, it's evolved. It has to evolve and this and that. I'm watching this Muda match still. He's great. Muda can barely move, Yeah, but he's telling that emotional story where he's got the crowd involved and, and the young guy's still trying to beat him. And he's, he's just this old man that he just keeps fighting back. And and he's, you know, it's not that same formula. And I think a lot of problems with WWE is that they all come from the same place now and they want them to, they want them to be that WWE robot. And it, and it ends up with bad porn acting <laughs> and and the same false finishes in every match. Yeah. And and it's not because of the... I don't blame the wrestlers at all. I know that there's really good talent there, but they have to do that. They ought to cash their paycheck, right? They don't want to go against the grain. Whereas I think they could switch it up a bit and it wouldn't hurt the product at all.
2: I personally know... I kind of suffer from a lot because I'm my own biggest mark. Not that I'm a mark of myself. Right. I'm just a mark towards wrestling, and I want to have the kind of match that I wanted to see type deal. That Like, I always say I'm a very selfish wrestler. I don't wrestle for the fans. I wrestle for me in the audience. Uh-huh. A- and if more fans like it, bonus. And luckily, right. I've had a lot of success with that. But there'll right. be so many. I had a long talk with Shane Saber about this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If I, I can put, I can work really hard, have a good match, I'm the heel, the baby fates gets his comeback, hits me with the false finish that ends up, hits me with the crescendo of the hot comeback, and I lose one, yeah. two, three. I've right. done it a few times because the promoters ask me. Right. And the crowd always loses it. Yeah. But I, as a performer, feel like I'm cheating, so I don't do it enough, if that makes any sense.
0: It makes sense. Complete sense. Like Like, I know exactly what you're saying. Like wrestling is easy if you're if you're good at it. It is. If 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 you can follow these steps, you will probably get a reaction from the crowd. But did you earn it? I don't think so. (laughs) And uh, you know what I mean. I know exactly what you're saying by that. I used to love Bret Hart, where he'd pull out a like a a small package for the finish out of nowhere, and like and and that to me, it's it's hard to say because I always go back and forth in my own head as wrestling should look like a real fight. Yep. But also, there's an old Japanese man with gray hair in his chest fighting a young guy that he would die in a real fight and it's stupid.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: You know what I mean? And and that's just one example. There's a billion examples of things I like in wrestling that have nothing to do with being in a real fight. So, I don't even know where I was going with this. But, like, to your point about wrestling for yourself, I would love to be able to do that. If I was able to do that all my matches would be like Josh Barnett's Sport. Yeah, I lo- I love it. I love the shoot style. I do the shoot style in real life. Like that's that's what I like. But I am guilty of going in the ring, and I know that won't get a reaction. So I'll I'll say to the guy, I've said it a number of times, especially young guys. Let's just chain wrestle for fifteen minutes.
2: Absolutely, Come yeah. You.
0: And then it never happens because I get greedy and I get nervous and I want to hear them cheer. Yep. Or boo. And I mean that's that's. That's my fault, I guess, but...
2: I get that completely, though. Like, right or wrong, this indie formula that I follow along with everybody else, even though most people can tell where we're going, I can usually get them to bite on the reactions. It's not because they knew it was the finish. It's because they're popping for the moves. Like, I take them for the ride that kind of satisfies me, and they're okay with it. But if I just dug my toes in the sand and just tried something different... And risked failing a few times until now all of a sudden like could you imagine if a baby face just shines you up you cut him off and that's the finish That'd now be amazing now the next match when the cutoff comes that is a false finish like you've like you yep. changed the whole tempo of everything but I yep. blame it on us all the time I say we're too big of marks just because we like wrestling well,
0: It's so true, and I always go back to going, like, I just drove three hours. I don't want to lose 30 seconds because it'll make the next show better. Exactly. Which is, like, a legit thing. Like, it's happened to me a few times where, like, we want you to, you know, squash, but next time, like, no, that's stupid. I just wasted my afternoon. I had to take time off work. Yeah. And and so we are kind of marks for ourselves, but what you're saying would work, too, if we didn't just do spot shows here and there if we had a television product if we had yes. a regular show like neo Spirit used to run up dating myself without reference but they'd run every month or every other month or every six weeks so you could get away with something like that where where I work now is primarily rock solid wrestling so we're in different towns twice a year where we can't really set up angles because we're not gonna be there for another six months so we kind of have to tell that whole story arc in one show
2: absolutely yes
0: so I, I know i see what you're saying though
2: but like that's why uh, do you f- follow timothy thatcher at all
0: a little bit yeah
2: because like guys like him are kind of where i just go like fuck he had the balls to do it because he just started implementing a style that really yep. isn't super exciting and people Not really people didn't aren't weren't really into it for a while. But he just committed, and now he's on NXT every week doing fantastic. And it's just like, he did what I want to do, but I'm too pussy to do. Which is dumb, because if you know it, it shouldn't be an issue. If you're blind to it, wondering, like, why isn't this working? I can almost understand the ignorance. But Mm -hmm. just knowing I don't have to follow the path, take chances, and you still don't. I'm just like, you deserve all the fucking bullshit you get, Kurt.
0: I, I agree with you. I would, you know what, and respect to him for, for blazing a trail. And, sure. And, and like, guys like Josh Barnett who are opening up places like Bloodsport because of guys like Timothy Thatcher who have blazed that trail and Drew yep. Gulak and guys like that who are doing that that shoot style. Well, where was that show we did? I don't know if you were on it. It was called Spry. It was uh, in Bolton. Yep, I was there. But that was the first time I met Drew Gulak, and I go, what's this guy all about? He has no knee pads, he's got wings on, he's, you know, know, I love that style. If I could wrestle that style every day, I would be happy, (laughs) but I don't have the guts to do it, and it's exactly like you're saying. I don't have the guts to do it because I am worried that, I don't know what I'm worried about, because especially at this point, I've been wrestling 18 years. Who gives a shit? It's not like I'm going to get a job doing this.
2: Well, that's funny that you mentioned Gulak, because he used to come to Smash. He was a regular there for like two years. Yeah. And he wouldn't put matches together. Right. And that was, like, I'm confident if I have to call a match, I can have a fine match. But sure. if I put something together, it's almost always going to be better. Uh, Yeah. So I, I believe, because I don't do it the other way. Because okay. I was like, I got excited moves. I know a few beats I can hit that are, like, tested. That even if yep. the match is shit, I do this moonsault, I at least get a reaction type deal. Yep, absolutely. So I talked to him. I was just like, how do you do it? Like, because it scares the shit out of me. But what scares the shit out of me is, like, in front of Smash, I was wrestling for them multiple times a month, every month. The fans know yeah. what to expect from me. So Especially that crowd. Yes. And now I go out there, and I'm not giving them what they expect. Like, I almost feel like I'm ripping them off. And then he mm-hmm. just said the most obvious thing. He's like, if they follow you and know what to expect, if you have an off night, saying that we go out there and call it, and it isn't great, right? they'll forgive you because they know. Like, you've proven with them. And I was just like, you motherfucker, why did you have to lay it out so obvious? (laughs) You know?
0: It's it's so easy, but I didn't see it this way. Yeah,
2: like, yeah, you've proven. These fans know you're a good wrestler, so if you take a chance and do something different, they'll just think it was like, nobody hits 100% of the time. And I was just like, fuck.
0: Yep. No, you're right. But you get addicted to that hitting... 100% One hundred percent of the time, because you know what I've I've seen you at Smash. I used to go to the shows regularly. Uh, you you always get a great reaction from the crowd, and in most shows you're the same way. So it is hard. It's that's an addicting thing too. you are like fuck. I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Because I want to try this other thing. Um, Andrew Davis, who's the most underrated wrestler in the history of Ontario Indies, <laughs> is a guy that I have better matches with if I don't call them in the back. Really. Him and I can go out and just have a match, and it always turns out good, and the crowd's always on their feet at the end. And I don't know why, and I don't know how. Because everyone else, I'm better if we talk about it a bit first.
2: Well, I remember Steve Brown ran a show at Unit 13 once, and nobody showed up. Yeah. And you and Davis had, like, a clinic.
0: Yeah, I I love that match still. I think it's on YouTube somewhere. But, yeah, we got crazy, but because we, we just, I don't know, it's just a... We have that, that energy that meshes so well, and we both like the same style of wrestling, so we're in there together, especially, that's another thing, though, the pressure's off with no people.
2: Yes, that is true.
0: You know what I mean? So let's just go do what we want to do. Yep. And, and and in that case, it worked, because the 10, 15 people that were there really enjoyed it.
2: Now, this is always a weird question, at least I think so, because my, like, uh, my mindset's changed lately. Over the past couple of years. Like, do you have an end game for wrestling?
0: Oh, man, that changes all the time. Yeah. Um, right now, I have. Um, so, this goes back about. Um, well, I haven't had a match in almost a year, first of all. Which is brutal because of COVID. Yeah. But before that, I had this terrible vertigo thing. Uh, I had some issues with my neck. Oof. And, yeah, so. I was during the COVID thing, and this is the first time I've ever said this publicly. Is I was thinking about just calling it a career, hanging it up. Oh right? wow! Achieved everything I wanted to achieve, and more. And you know why? Why bother doing this and hurting myself? And uh,
3: can I
2: stop you strange. for one so, second?
0: Yeah, sure. I,
2: I don't don't lose your train of thought. But
0: no,
3: I good.
2: You had a. I think you tweeted something and it was like, my knees are gone due to being a tile setter, and you kind of listed off a bunch of things, and you were like, I'm happy where I'm at, this might be it. Was this around that time? Yes, it was. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, this was then, and and this time off, though, I haven't watched any, or barely any modern wrestling. I still watch my friends, like Crazy Steve and Rosemary and Spears, and Eric Young, and Diener, and those guys. Mm-hmm. But for the, for the most part, I don't watch too much wrestling anymore. But it's kind of, I don't know, I guess the time being away, like, let something free, and see if it still loves you, you know, I paraphrase that horribly. Yeah, I know the fuck I'm we saying. get it. Yeah. I I went down and I trained at Crossbody, and if any uh, COVID police are listening, that didn't happen. But we did. <laughs> Me and Tornado and Davis, and Tid, and um it was just like again I saw the ring and it reminded me of all those years ago in Cambridge when I stepped into Eric Young's dojo and, and he is and like oh this is what I love to do yeah I forgot and uh, having this time away I think made me more hungry I was talking to Darko yesterday he came to my place and worked out and I said I can't I can't wait to do a tag match with you like it's. I've been missing this so much. Like I love. I love tag matches with Darko more than anything. I think in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if I ever have another singles match, but I just. I miss it so bad. And yeah. I don't have an end game to answer your question. I just. Tornado again, like I said, is my mentor. He's almost fifty years old. He doesn't have a plan. He's just going to keep doing it till he's either dead or can't walk. <laughs> And I think as much as I don't want to admit that, I'll be the same way.
2: Well, I will admit it with you because over the past couple of years, I think since I've become like more of an adult, mm-hmm. you know, own a house and whatnot, I'm married, I got a kid coming. Not that that's Congrats. really, thank you. Not that that's really like changed my mindset. I just kind of uh, realized that it took me a long time to, because there's always pressure of like, why aren't you breaking out? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Trying to cross the border and everything. Right. What gets like my dick hard is just wrestling, and I don't care if yep. that's in the Fight Factory in front of nobody. Yeah, you know, like that's that's all I kind of want and have matches I'm proud of, and yeah. that that's more fulfilling for me, I think. And I'm okay if I go down in history as a nobody.
0: Buddy, you're not a nobody though. That's the thing. You you've achieved a goal that few people can say they've achieved, and not I'm not saying that's wrestling. I'm just saying you're doing something you wanted to do when you were a child. Sure, you get yeah. paid for it. And you get to have fun doing it. And you get to wrestle your friends. You get to make new friends. You get to meet cool people and have all these stories and run the roads. I I mean, I work in an office now. Most of these people that I meet through my through my business that I sell floors to <laughs> their only goal is to make enough money to make their floor nicer and then That's it. Like, you know what I mean? There's nothing bigger than that. So people can say, I'm a failure because I never made it to WWF. Well, I know that's bullshit. And as long as you know, that's bullshit too. That's all that matters.
2: Well, also, I've never really tried because I haven't cared. (laughs) Like, yeah, all the power to the guys, but I have no interest in going to do extra work. Like, I don't. I'm sorry. Especially if I can wrestle five minutes away from my house that night. And get paid, yep. like you know what I mean. It's just, and uh, yep. like I, I feel, understand. I feel like if the territories were still around, I'd be that guy that never was famous, but I just want to be known as like, oh yeah, he was a good guy to have around. That's all. Cause, yeah, because yeah. territories needed you all that. I
0: love wrestling Scotty OJ okay in you know Tacoma, it, Washington, or whatever. That's
2: it. Like I remember listening to Flair's podcast years and years ago. The guy yeah. might be going crazy, but, like, he never forgets a name or anything, and the co-host right. would be like, what about fucking this idiot? And he'd be like, oh, that guy was great. I used to go over to his house, his mom or his wife would fucking make us dinner, and just, like, speak glowingly of this guy, his work rate, yeah. and his in prof- his personal life, about yeah. this guy that nobody had heard about, and I was just like, I think that's the guy I want to be.
0: Yeah. Man, that's awesome. And, and you, I think you were that guy. I, I hope so. you any day of the week, man. Like... I know you, but from wrestling you, I'm going to have a good match. And except for that one time you gave me a concussion, which I don't know if you know you did. I don't know. Oh, I'll tell you the story. So, quick story, I'll make it quick. I'm doing putting matches together for All Japan. They want a highlight video. So I have to wrestle Manabu Soya, the first match. Yeah. And that's a Friday night. He clotheslines me in the face. Concussion. <laughs> I have to wrestle you and I think Brent be the next day at a comic book convention
2: oh my god I don't remember this at all
0: and, and you know what probably normally wouldn't have been an issue but you like did a jumping forearm in the corner and you <laughs> elbowed me in the jaw no big deal usually but I already had a concussion so now I have two concussions oh then I wrestled Danger Boy and Steiner and someone else the next day at a fair <laughs> Danger Boy the match is going great 20 minutes in no big deal I'm not doing anything I pin a guy. Dang, Danger boy goes to break it up. Head butts me in the temple. <laughs> number three. Long story short, I cried the whole way home from Tilsonburg. Even <laughs> I wasn't sad. Just because my brain was scrambled.
2: <laughs> I had no idea. I don't even remember that match. That's that's crazy. Yeah,
4: so that happened. Other than that, I love wrestling.
2: Last thing I want to leave off, leave off on was uh, it was just a really interesting kind of. I want to say full circle, but I think that makes it sound more romantic than it was. Me and Alex wrestled, you and Darko, at MCW just a handful of years ago. Yep. And we put a match together, and it was a Scotty oshea Alessandro Del Bruno style match. Yep. Right? Like, very, like, there was not, basically, we called the heat, and besides that, it was step for step, we knew what we were doing. That's just been our style forever, we can do it, like, no problem. sure and we put it together and then uh we let it breathe a little bit and I think I went out to piss and you were outside and you were like stressing out a little yeah and you were just like I just don't do this style fucking in your head and I was like do you want to change it and you said no I gotta learn how to do this shit and that stuck with me too because it was just the way because you had all the power in the world as a as our vet to just be like we got to cut some of this stuff and we, you wouldn't even have to give us a reason, honestly. It was just, you're our elder in this situation. Right. But you kind of were like, I'm uncomfortable with it, but this is how most people work now. Yep. Like, let's just see how it was. And that was another eye-opening thing to me.
0: Yeah, why is that? Just because I wasn't a dick about
2: it? <laughs> no, not even that. I think how um, accepting you were. You were like sitting in, like, you had insecurities that day. Yeah. Like, we all do, but instead of, like, you could have made it easier for yourself and just been, like, everything before the hot tag where Nixon and calling it out there made it easier, uh, you were yeah. just, like, kind of understanding that this is a popular style now, Yeah. So let's try it. And I, if I remember correctly, you guys were there for everything.
0: I I remember the match being pretty good, actually. Um, and now that you say that, and I do remember you coming out and talking to me, um, it's... You're oh you have all the you're saying you have all the power to change it. You're the vet and all that stuff. I mean, shit. How you, how long have you been wrestling? Seventeen years. Set.
2: Like yeah, but still, you're still our like I still I just, look at you as my elder in all this.
0: I mean, technically, you're not wrong. However, I I look up to you guys and guys like Josh and and those guys because that style to me is hard. Yeah, like I can have an old school style NWA match. No problem. I can have a Japanese style. But no problem. But the style you guys work is like foreign territory to me. And yeah, I was stressed. And anytime I, I see, like I watched Josh and uh, Ethan Page wrestle at a, a twins show in Kitchener. And I said to Josh after I said, that's fucking mind blowing. How you guys do that? Like it it's, I'm not one of those veteran guys that like, I like to shit on new stuff. Like, that that is amazing that you can remember all that and, and hit the timing so well and, and you and, and Alex are the same way. So the fact that I could even almost keep up to you guys is, is like I'm I was super happy about and I mean you guys let us through that and you were you kept me calm the whole time man. you were talking to me the whole time and say, just relax we're doing this next. No yeah, no problem. But see and like, I, like you said, hope we were there for you.
2: Th- but see what you just said was like how humble you are. Because most guys, like, you helped me and Alex a lot along the way. You taught us a lot, whether you know you did or you didn't. You were, like, two of the first guys, like, vet guys that really grabbed us and took your time with us and, like, understood us and whatnot. Let us fuck up. Sure. So, like, you were our teachers at one point. Right. And then just kind of how it came full circle that we were teaching you this new thing and how, like, open you are about, yeah, I was nervous. I was everything. and. You're just like, I'm a big fan of honesty. Right. And just seeing a guy like you, who has been to Japan, who has done a lot of shit, who's been wrestling for years, being so honest, and not just trying to talk a big game and whatnot. Wow. Like, I learned something from that, because I'm going to take how you treated me that day to a guy who I, like, who started wrestling years after me, and if I'm ever in the situation, kind of, like heart harping back to how you acted that day and got through it and made me feel great.
0: Well, I am I'm, I'm happy that you say that man. I'm happy I had a positive influence on you.
2: That's it. Um, you you com- taught by example.
0: Coming up, I know I stepped on a lot of toes and I was young and brash and like this I was the guy who acted out at that Eastside Marios <laughs> and, and and that may have been a positive for you, but it was a negative for a lot of other people. <laughs> And there were a lot of times like that where, you know, people from your generation think I'm an asshole. So I know I'm on my way down as far as career goes, but on the way down, I'd like to be a lot more humble and and honest and helpful than I was on the way up. And that's all I can try and do and try and leave some kind of some kind of legacy, even if it's a small one. I want it to be a positive one.
2: Well, let me just say, I think anything looking back When you're a young guy and something happens to you, you might think it's the worst day of your life, but kind of you look back and you realize, like, not only wasn't it not a big deal, it was kind of just the culture, everything. Nothing you ever did to us or I ever saw was bad in any right. Like I said, uh, you and Steve were absolute godsends to us.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we love you guys, too.
2: Yeah. All right, dude, I'm going to let you go. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Thank you, bro. Anytime. I Say hope, the word.
2: I hope shit opens up and we can uh, do it again. Me and Alex owe you a piss-beater-style match next, because that's only fair.
0: Cool. You guys can bleed everywhere. It'll be great. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. No bleeding. That's dumb.
2: <laughs> you got any uh, plugs or Twitter handles, anything you want to hit right here?
0: <sighs> uh, Yeah, I mean, IrishJake15 on Twitter. Uh, I think it's JakeOReilly15 on Instagram. Uh, Any Rock Solid Wrestling, Rock Solid Pro on YouTube, that's uh, my home promotion. Um, We are kind of bringing back that old school 80s style that we grew up on. And again, not a a knock against the new style. We're just trying to be something different. So I think we can get a lot of fans from that. That's about it.
2: All right. And I always ask one song. It doesn't have to have any rhyme or reason. I'll play it at the end of this episode. Full your discretion, whatever you want it to be. Any song.
0: Uh, hmm. N.I.B. by Black Sabbath. It was my Japanese entrance music. Done. Awesome.
2: That's great, dude. Thank you so much. Take care. Stay safe.
0: Love you, buddy. You've
2: been the best. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, dudes. That was Jake O'Reilly. He's the fucking best. Uh, Nothing I said on that podcast was like blowing smoke or kissing ass. Um, I almost wish I had Bruno here with me because, uh, yeah, they treated us great from day one. And uh, I don't know, just the humility he has and how he admits his mistakes, how he knows he fucked up. He was brash when he was younger and all he has to do now or all he'd like to do now is just uh, kind of mend those loose ends if there are any, uh, yet again. I'm still learning from this guy. I love professional wrestling. Jake O'Reilly is just uh, the menchiest of mensch. And next week, I believe, Textbook Tyson Dukes is on, and we're going to argue about, not argue, I'm not going to argue with him, but I'm going to pick his brain about why he hates current wrestling and why he thinks Luthes is the greatest ever. So this is going to be fun. I'm actually doing like a wrestling podcast again. It's not just full of bullshit. We'll see how long that lasts, but okay. Uh, Stay tuned. You'll hear the song, Jake. Wanted you to hear, which was, I i didn't want to ask him what it was. It was Black Sabbath, and I don't know. I don't listen to heavy metal or black metal, whatever the fuck you call it. So I'll find it and it'll be at the end of this. All right. Take care. Comb your hair. Peace and be the least. Okay, bye.
4: Ah.